Hello and welcome to the Lazy Book Club podcast, the book club for those who don't want to read or leave the house. My name is Matt Gonzalez. Oh, hi! It's David Cox. And I'm Josh Matheson. And this week we are looking at chapter two of The Mysterious Affair at Styles. That's correct. You remember the name of the book? It's a very long title. It's quite long, yeah. A Murder is Announced was a lot easier to remember. Well, it's still quite wordy. It feels like a sentence, doesn't it? It's but, true. Yeah. Those earlier ones, like, maybe you're just trying to, like, over-explain yourself because you really want people to buy the book. So it's like a murder, and this is this is where it's going to be, and there's going to be lots of people in it, so I better put <laughs> that all in the title. And it's a mystery. That Harley Quinn movie is that, like, really, really, really long. It's like the emancipation of Harley Quinn. and the Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. One of those. But obviously that's deliberate. But uh, mm. I don't think Agatha Christie was doing that sort of like arty thing. No. Uh, we've got a special guest, Matt's Donut. Oh, ah. I've, already, I've already lit my lips, so I've already we'll failed. We'll be interviewing the donut later. <laughs> I realise that like eating now during the intro is probably the worst time to eat because I actually have to talk in this bit. I should have waited yeah, to right. start the chapter. What I'd love you to do is take a huge mouthful and then tell us what happened in the last <laughs> chapter. <I'll have> go. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Could be a segment. This is it. This is all. <laughs> so last go. week, we met Hastings, who is our narrator, and he has turned up in styles after have been given a month's holiday from the war front because he's been injured or something. He was in like a hospital or some kind of house, and then they've just given him another month. Yeah. So he's staying with his mate, John Cavendish, who's a country bum who seems to do nothing but doss around and look at hedgerows because his mum's loaded, but it's his stepmum. His stepmum's loaded because his dad left all the money to the stepmum and the allowances to the stepmum. They were having afternoon tea on the lawn and we kind of all the suspects assembled. We met Cynthia Murdoch, who seems to be some dispensary clerk who's helping out at the house. We met Mrs. Cavendish, who's John's wife, who seems to be a bit of a flirt, and Hastings seems to have a thing for her. We met Mrs. Inglethorpe, who is the head manor lady, who seems to be running all sorts of charity events. And she's just remarried to a man 20 years younger called Alfred, who has the audacity to have a beard and a wooden hand, much to the family's dismay. Mm. And then there is Evie, the gardener, who at the end of the chapter, decided to tell Mrs. Inglethorpe, you're an, there's no fool like an old fool. He's only married you for your money and you're an idiot. And then she basically packed her bags and left, which has left this kind of void in the house of power or someone looking out for the older lady. Um, so we reckon this is going to be the impetus to some kind of murder. We don't know if it's necessarily Mrs. Inglethorpe who's going to be murdered, but it looks like inheritance could be the motive at the moment. And one person who I've forgotten to mention is Lawrence, who is the other son who was a doctor and is now a failed author. He was angry about something. Cynthia and John were walking arm in arm around the grounds. Hastings, yeah, Hastings spotted them doing that. I was listening to the podcast earlier. Do my homework. <laughs> I told you the red strings out. The, the wall behind me is like yeah. covered. <laughs> and Mrs. What's the face is like cozying up to the doctor as well, right? Doctor yes. Bowers. Yes. So John and and Mary seem to have a bit of marriage trouble going on. I reckon. I think there's a bit. She seems to be going off and meeting this doctor. Alfred's apparently meeting the farm 
gypsy lady. So there's a few possible affairs in the mix. Lawrence doesn't seem happy about something. So it's all up for grabs, really. It's all I think that was everything. Was that everything? I've swallowed all my donut. Yeah, I'm not going to lie to you. I think the the, the donut as a feature, um, mm. more underwhelming than I was expecting. <laughs> uh, I was about to say, donut, try this at home. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Were you hoping for me to like choke or like spit crumbs at the camera or... I expected there'd be more struggle involved. So we do um, a different food each week and see if we can find a more difficult one to eat then. Well, I'll tell you what yeah. we could do. I think you could bring a, you could bring a mystery food <laughs> every yeah. week and the listeners have to guess what you've got in your mouth while you're recapping the episode. Or we could or, or, <laughs> me and Josh could blindfold ourselves of oh, the chubby bunnies. Yeah. yeah, I had to put an extra marshmallow in every week and see how many until I burst. <laughs> <laughs> right, I think that's enough uh, yeah. of a recap, isn't it? And just well, actually, no, one more thing to recap is what our guesses were. Does anyone remember what their guesses? I said drawing room poison. I can't Lawrence. remember. You said Lawrence. Lawrence. You said Lawrence. Lawrence. Yes, that was me. I said, I said, uh, gunshot in the garden by Cynthia. All I know is I said in the pantry because I remember just trying to choose. Something. You did, you did the see the pantry, yeah. You went for you went for Mrs. Cavendish, I think. You went for a woman. Yes, of course I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think you, you remember garden the shears. garden shears, garden shears, garden shears. That was it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so th- this is when hopefully this chapter the murder will happen and we'll at least and we'll find get a out point the place one. and the yeah the place and the weapon. Yeah, and if it doesn't happen, we'll all be bitterly disappointed. Um, we can add it to our quiz score at the end of the series. <laughs> Maybe that's the only chance I've got. You know. Maybe the mur- the mystery affair of this whole murder thing is that murder doesn't happen. It's no murder. <laughs> I was going to say, they, just, they <laughs> just have a very agreeable time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Right, right. let's right. jump right. in. Come on. Read him. Yeah. Great. Chapter 2, the 16th and 17th of July. I had arrived at Styles on the 5th of July. I come now to the events of the 16th and 17th of that month. For the convenience of the reader, I will recapitulate the incidents of those days in as exact a manner as possible. They were elicited subsequently at the trial by a process of long and tedious cross-examinations. I received a letter from Evelyn Howard a couple of days after her departure telling me she was working as a nurse at the big hospital in Middlingham, a manufacturing town some 15 miles away, and begging me to let her know if Mrs Inglethorpe should show any wish to be reconciled. Was it easier to be a nurse back then? Because I swear she's a gardener. She usually was like the gardener, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty sure being a nurse takes a lot more training than just turning up and just going like, I know how to use a pair of scissors. They might have just been taking on new nurse recruits because of the war. Like, yes, we'll train you up on the job. Come on board. The only fly in the ointment of my peaceful days was Mrs. Cavendish's extraordinary and, for my part, unaccountable preference for the society of Dr. Bowerstein. What she saw in the man, I cannot imagine. But she was always asking him up to the house and often went off for long expeditions with him. Mm. I must confess that I was quite unable to see his attraction. He's just jealous. He's jealous of the fact that she's spending time with another man that's not her husband and it's not him. 
first day and he's already having dreams about her. Yeah, so. well, exactly. I know. She I must know. be quite One the uh, well. charmer. One look. Yeah. One look. One it's look. all it takes. <laughs> <laughs> love me. That's when that song was released, I remember. <laughs> 1923. <laughs> it was a dancehall classic. I paraphrase anyway. I'm pretty sure it's one kiss, but never mind. It is one kiss, yeah. The 16th of July fell on a Monday. It was a day of turmoil. The famous bazaar had taken place on Saturday and an entertainment in connection with the same charity at which Mrs. Inglethorpe was to recite a war poem was to be held that night. We were all busy during the morning arranging and decorating the hall in the village where it was to take place. We had a late luncheon and spent the afternoon resting in the garden. I noticed that John's manner was somewhat unusual. He seemed very excited and restless. After tea, Mrs. Inglethorpe went to lie down to rest before her efforts in the evening, and I challenged Mary Cavendish to a single at tennis. At a quarter to seven, Mrs. Inglethorpe called us that we should be late, as supper was early that night. We had rather a scramble to get ready in time, and before the meal was over, the motor was waiting at the door. The entertainment was a great success, Mrs. Inglethorpe's recitation receiving tremendous applause. There was also some tableau in which Cynthia took part. She did not return with us, having been asked to a supper party, and to remain the night with some friends who had been acting with her in the tableau. The following morning, Mrs. Inglethorpe stayed in bed to breakfast, as she was rather overtired. But she appeared in her briskest mood at 12.30, and swept Lawrence and myself off to a luncheon party. Such a charming invitation from Mrs. Ralston, Lady Tadminster's sister, you know. The Ralstons came over with the Conqueror, one of our oldest families. Mary had excused herself on the plea of an engagement with Dr. Bowerstein. We had a pleasant luncheon, and as we drove away, Lawrence suggested that we should return by Tadminster, which was barely a mile out of our way, and pay a visit to Cynthia in her dispensary. Mrs. Inglethorpe replied that this was an excellent idea, but as she had several letters to write, she would drop us there, and we would come back with Cynthia in the pony trap. We were detained under suspicion by the hospital porter until Cynthia appeared to vouch for us, looking very cool and sweet in her long white overall. She took us up to her sanctum and introduced us to her fellow dispenser, a rather awe-inspiring individual whom Cynthia cheerily addressed as Nibs. Oh, we've got another Nibs. Hey! Okay. Nibs, is okay. Nibs, Nibs, Nibs. Nibs talks, we know what the voice is going to be. I'm sorry, <laughs> can we just say that we've got a pirate man with a wooden missing a hand who we were like, okay, is this Captain Hook's origin story? And then Nibs turns up as well. Nibs! It's just the world's weirdest like prequel. It is. <laughs> it, is. it really is. <laughs> I don't think Nibs is going to play a heavy role in this, but I no. really hope that they do. I hope they at least have a couple of lines because I did enjoy Nibs's voice in Peter Pan. What a lot of bottles, I exclaimed as my eye travelled round the small room. Do you really know what's in them all? I'll say something original, groaned Cynthia. Every single person who comes up here says that. 
We're really thinking of bestowing a prize on the first individual who does not say, what a lot of bottles. And I know the next thing you're going to say is, how many people have you poisoned? I pleaded guilty with a laugh. If you people only know how fatally easy it is to poison someone by mistake, you wouldn't joke about it. Don't all the bottles have labels on them? Yeah, I mean, so that, that kind of tells you what's in them. Like, yeah. have you ever gone into the pharmacy and gone, oh, loads of bottles? Do you know what's in them? You just kind of go, well, I, I presume that, you know, because you know what you're doing. You must have some <laughs> sort of certificate. I think even in, you know, in Edwardian times, you must have been, had to have, to have some sort of certification to be able to dispense like drugs. Mm. I wonder if Hastings is a misogynist. He's like, oh, women in the workplace. Yeah, that's true. I don't know. Do you know what you're doing? one pill from another. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Come on, let's have tea. We've got all sorts of secret stories in that cupboard. No, Lawrence, that's the poison cupboard. The big cupboard, that's right. We had a very cheery tea and assisted Cynthia to wash up afterwards. We had just put away the last teaspoon when a knock came at the door. The countenances of Cynthia and Nibs were suddenly petrified into a stern and forbidding expression. Come in, said Cynthia in a sharp professional tone. A young and rather scared-looking nurse appeared with a bottle, which she proffered to Nibs, who waved her towards Cynthia with a somewhat enigmatical remark. Uh, and then trying to figure out who speaks. Is it the nurse? Yeah, it's the nurse. I don't think this nurse is going to, you know, do much more. But the nurse. Um, can we make it? Can we make it a ridiculous one? Because they've got a cameo. The only the only nurse that I kind of like really really like is the Joker dressed as a nurse. But that's not a cameo because he doesn't talk when he's dressed <laughs> as the nurse. <laughs> ah, you could do it as the Joker. <laughs> I come to you. Just like really, really like sinister uh, Joker sort of. It's sinister quite, it's, it's Joker being quite high. Ledger, I, I want to yeah. think at the end of it that she did it. Okay. And you, can you like? Can you make sort of a lick your lips sound like a? Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's just like out of nowhere. She's probably going to say nothing. Great. Yeah. What, it's going to be so. It's going to be so out of, out of character for this woman. But okay, great. Yes. <laughs> I'm not really here today. Cynthia took the bottle and examined it with the severity of a judge. This should have been sent up this morning. Sister is very sorry. She forgot. Sister should read the rules outside the door. I gathered from the little nurse's expression that there was not the least likelihood of her having the hardihood to retail this message to the dreaded sister. So now it can't be done until tomorrow, finished Cynthia. Don't don't you think you could possibly let us have it tonight? Well, said Cynthia graciously, we are very busy, but if we have time, it shall be done. Busy? They've just had tea. (laughs) They've spent how long having tea? The little nurse withdrew, and Cynthia promptly took a jar from the shelf, refilled the bottle, and placed it on the table outside the door. I mean, that look literally took what ten seconds. Yeah, what was that? We're really that? busy, but if I have to, like, here you go, here it is, done. Like, what, <laughs> what are you on about, Cynthia? You know those people no in here. an office always go like, oh, can you send anything? Oh, it's wow. going to take me. It's like it, it's literally the tiniest task, and you're acting like it's going to take you forever. 
Cynthia's is one of those people, isn't she? She's maybe she wants to just lord it over the little the little nurse, maybe. Mm. Exactly. Come out on our little balcony. You can see all the outside wards there. I followed Cynthia and her friend, and they pointed out the different wards to me. Lawrence remained behind, but after a few moments, Cynthia called to him over her shoulder to come and join us. Then she looked at her watch. Nothing more to do, Nibs. <laughs> Nibs is one word. <laughs> oh, well, you know the voice. Can I just say again, like she's literally filled one jar, put it outside the door, and then they're like, let's go and sit on the balcony and look at, like, where's the busy? No where's busy. the busy, Cynthia? You're just a liar. I'm sorry. <laughs> Nothing more to do, Nibs. No. <laughs> <laughs> Worth it. <laughs> All right, then we can lock up and go. I had seen Lawrence in quite a different light that afternoon. Compared to John, he was an astoundingly difficult person to get to know. He was the opposite of his brother in almost every respect, being unusually shy and reserved. Yet he had a certain charm of manner, and I fancied that, if one really knew him well, one could have a deep affection for him. I had always fancied that his manner to Cynthia was rather constrained, and that she, on her side, was inclined to be shy of him. But they were both gay enough this afternoon and chatted together like a couple of children. John and Cynthia walked off arm in arm, and then it mentioned Lawrence being angry in the garden and things oh, like I, I think yeah. he's seen them together, and I think he fancies Cynthia. He fancies Cynthia. John fancies Cynthia, but John's not even married. To, oh, gosh, the whole yeah, thing. Yeah. So I think Link- I think that's yeah that that's I'm putting my bet in. I think that's what's going on. It's blinking Coronation Street. This yes, right. it is. It's a soap opera. <laughs> yeah. As we drove through the village, I remembered that I wanted some stamps. So accordingly, we pulled up at the post office. As I came out again, I cannoned into a little man who was just entering. I drew aside and apologised. When suddenly. With a loud exclamation, he clasped me in his arms and kissed me warmly. <laughs> and 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 this, I mean, I sort of have to give it away because presumably we're going to go fairly traditional. This is hmm. Master Poirot has just popped up in the video. Ah, <gasps> oh, so he's going to have to be that Belgian, isn't he? He's going to have to be. Got to go. Can we, at- we just? We can just have like a little bit of like every time. Every, just because he's a detective, he's a, de- a pensive detective. That's hard to say. Mm. Just, just, just a bit of fun. Every time you get to a full stop, you just go, "Hmm." <laughs> I say, like, too every long. line should have like a thing of like I'm analysing <laughs> you, and you've just given me like, yeah, you've just told me everything you need to know. I'm not. We're not saying like every other word you cough and like do a backflip like we have other voices. Just like, <laughs> you know, I have been to the toilet and it is finished. Hmm. <laughs> I did not wipe my bottom. Uh, and on that note, <laughs> right. that was what I improvised. I'll, I'll play around with some little extra noises to chuck in there. Yeah. Mon ami, hey, stings. Mm. He cried. <laughs> <laughs> it is indeed mon ami, hey, stings. Ah. <laughs> Poirot, I exclaimed. I turned to the pony trap. This is a very pleasant meeting for me, Miss Cynthia. This is my old friend, Monsieur Poirot. 
whom I've not seen for years. Oh, we know Monsieur Poirot, said Cynthia gaily, but I had no idea he was a friend of yours. Yes, indeed. Hmm. <laughs> said, <laughs> said, said Poirot seriously. I know Mademoiselle Cynthia. Huh. It is by the charity of that good Mrs. Inglethorpe that I am here. <laughs> then I looked at him inquiringly. Yes, my friend. She has kindly extended hospitality to seven of my country people who, alas, are refugees from their native land. Hmm. We Belgians will always remember her with gratitude. Hmm. Poirot was an extraordinary-looking little man. He was hardly more than five feet four inches, but carried himself with great dignity. His head was exactly the shape of an egg, and he always <laughs> perched it a little on one side. Not even sort of. It was kind of yeah. like an egg. It was exactly, exactly like an yeah. egg. Wouldn't that make him like a cone head? You know, like that film with the aliens where they're like, yeah. this is likely, he would, he would be like it. that, wouldn't he? Like you'd have a little point on top. Unless the point's his chin. I think that's... Oh, upside-down yeah. this egg. way? Like an upside-down egg? an upside-down egg. I mean, if it's the other way, it's hilarious. <laughs> I think it's funny if it's the other way. Like Mars Attack or something like that. <laughs> his moustache was very stiff and military. The neatness of his attire was almost incredible. I believe a speck of dust would have caused him more pain than a bullet wound. Yet this quaint, dandified little man, who, I was sorry to see, now limped badly, had been, in his time, one of the most celebrated members of the Belgian police. As a detective, his flair had been extraordinary, and he had achieved triumphs by unravelling some of the most baffling cases of the day. He pointed out to me the little house inhabited by him and his fellow Belgians, and I promised to go and see him at an early date. Then he raised his hat with a flourish to Cynthia, and we drove away. He's a dear little man, said Cynthia. I'd no idea you knew him. You've been entertaining a celebrity unawares, I replied. And for the rest of the way home, I recited to them the various exploits and triumphs of Hercule Poirot. We arrived back in a very cheerful mood. As we entered the hall, Mrs. Inglethorpe came out of her boudoir. She looked flushed and upset. Oh, it's you, she said. Is there anything the matter, Aunt Emily? asked Cynthia. Certainly not, said Mrs. Inglethorpe sharply. What should there be? Then, catching sight of Dorcas, the parlour-maid, going into the dining-room, she called to her to bring some stamps into the boudoir. Uh, Dorcas technically says something here, so I don't know if Dorcas wanna... is a great name. You just whisper everything, because he sounds like, Dorcas sounds like he's like, uh, I'm, I'm just like, I'm sorry, I'm just really, I, I can't really speak, because I'm just... <laughs> <laughs> Little bashful Dorcas! Me. Yeah. Ah, uh, what a sweetie. Yeah, okay, cool. Um, yeah. Yeah, well. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why that made me laugh so much. <laughs> the old servant hesitated, then added diffidently, uh, Don't you think, Mum, you'd better go to bed? You're, you're looking, <laughs> looking very tired. <laughs> 
so frightened of saying these things. It's quite funny. It's also just slightly matter of fact as well. I was like, you look tired. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that was great. Perhaps you're right, Dorcas. Yes. Uh, No, no, not now. I have some letters I must finish by post time. Have you lighted the fire in my room as I told you? Yes, ma'am. Then I'll go to bed directly after supper. She went into the boudoir again, and Cynthia stared after her. Goodness gracious, I wonder what's up, she said to Lawrence. He did not seem to have heard her, for without a word he turned on his heel and went out of the house. I suggested a quick game of tennis before supper, and, Cynthia agreeing, I ran upstairs to fetch my racket. Mrs Cavendish was coming down the stairs. It may have been my fancy, but she too was looking odd and disturbed. Had a good walk with Dr Bowerstein? I asked, trying to appear as indifferent as I could. Trying to be nonchalant. So, so, uh, so, uh, you and the doctor, uh, what's going on there? uh... (laughs) (laughs) Hastings is a dork. I, uh, I didn't go, she replied abruptly. Where is Mrs. Inglethorpe? In the boudoir. Her hand clenched itself on the banisters. Then she seemed to nerve herself for some encounter and went rapidly past me down the stairs across the hall to the boudoir, the door of which she shut behind her. As I ran out to the tennis court a few moments later, I had to pass the open boudoir window and was unable to help overhearing the following scrap of dialogue. Mary Cavendish was saying, in the voice of a woman desperately controlling herself, "'Then you you won't show it to me?' To which Mrs Inglethorpe replied, "'My dear Mary, it has nothing to do with the matter.' "'Then show it to me.' "'I tell you, it is not what you imagine. It does not.' concern you in the least to which mary cavendish replied with a rising bitterness of course i might have known that you should shield him cynthia was waiting for me and greeted me eagerly with i say there's been a most awful row i got it all out of dorcas what kind of row between aunt emily and him i do hope she's found him out at last Was Dorcas there, then? Of course not. She happened to be near the door. It was a real old bus stop. I do wish I knew what it was all about. I thought of Mrs. Rake's gypsy face and Evelyn Howard's warnings, but wisely decided to hold my peace whilst Cynthia exhausted every possible hypothesis and cheerfully hoped Aunt Emily will send him away and we'll never speak to him again. I did enjoy the conversation with Mrs. Cavendish's voice because show it to me sounds so (laughs) different in that voice. It could have been anything innocent, but it sounds very suspect. (laughs) Yeah, I'm quite quite proud of myself for how dirty that sounded. I'm like so desperate to watch an adaptation. 
after we do this just to be like oh that's that's what the direct that's what the they produced and <laughs> that's how they're supposed to oh that's yeah. a way of looking at it oh yeah we thoroughly like, wrote I, it. <laughs> I refuse to believe any other interpretation of the character now even though we looked like we we took it from just guessing on the on the day rather than any like any evidence that would suggest that it should be played any other way <laughs> incidentally david suchet who of course famously played poirot um has recorded the audiobooks for a lot of these and uh, uh, Beth, my wife, was saying that she was listening to it recently, and she said, "Actually, my Mrs. Inglethorpe was actually pretty close Hooray! to the way that David did it." So That's hilarious. Yeah. We'll take that. Yeah. Oh, we're not as outrageous as we think we are, boys. We've got to up the ante. It's tame, really. <laughs> that, that wasn't a challenge. That wasn't a challenge. <laughs> challenge accepted. <laughs> Do her screaming the entire thing. <laughs> <laughs> Every time there's a comma, she burps. Ah, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Josh is just like dead. He's like, I don't know if it's enough. You broke me. (laughs) That would be great if I died during this book. (laughs) That's so meta. The mystery of who killed me, or was it just your... Well, it's going to be me and David being blamed, isn't it? (laughs) Well, prime suspects, but maybe there's a twist. Mm. Mm. Killed over the internet. That's an interesting way of... Dying. Video killed the voiceover star. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, just about fits. Kind of works. I was anxious to get hold of John, but he was nowhere to be seen. Evidently, something very momentous had occurred that afternoon. I tried to forget the few words I had overheard, but do what I would, I could not dismiss them altogether from my mind. What was Mary Cavendish's concern in the matter? Mr. Inglethorpe was in the drawing room when I came down to supper. His face was impassive as ever, and the strange unreality of the man struck me afresh. Mrs. Inglethorpe came down last. She still looked agitated, and during the meal there was a somewhat constrained silence. Inglethorpe was unusually quiet. As a rule, he surrounded his wife with little attentions placing a cushion at her back, and altogether playing the part of the devoted husband. Immediately after supper, Mrs. Inglethorpe retired to her boudoir again. "'Send my coffee in here, Mary,' she called. "'I've just five minutes to catch the post.' Cynthia and I went and sat by the open window in the drawing-room. Mary Cavendish brought us our coffee. She seemed excited. Do you young people want lights, or do you enjoy the twilight? she asked. Will you take Mrs. Inglethorpe her coffee, Cynthia? I will pour it out. Do not trouble, Mary, (laughs) (laughs) said Inglethorpe. I will take it to Emily. He poured it out and went out of the room, carrying it carefully. Lawrence followed him, and Mrs. Cavendish sat down by us. We three sat for some time in silence. It was a glorious night, hot and still. Mrs. Cavendish fanned herself gently with a palm leaf. Oh, it's almost too hot, she murmured. We shall have a a thunderstorm. Alas, that these harmonious moments can never endure. My paradise was rudely shattered, 
by the sound of a well-known and heartily disliked voice in the hall. Dr. Bowerstein, exclaimed Cynthia, what a funny time to come. I glanced jealously at Mary Cavendish, but she seemed quite undisturbed. The delicate pallor of her cheeks did not vary. In a few moments, Alfred Inglethorpe had ushered the doctor in, the latter laughing, and protesting that he was in no fit state for a drawing-room. In truth, he presented a sorry spectacle, being literally plastered with mud. "'What have you been doing, doctor?' cried Mrs. Cavendish. And now Dr. Bowerstein speaks. "'Oh, can we make him a bit like a mad scientist?' "'What kind like of man?' "'Like the Weetos man.' Like, <laughs> well, no, Did I was thinking speak? more like because it's Bowerstein and it's like Frankenstein. I was thinking, like, do you know what I mean? I like, that do. kind of it's alive, but maybe making him some kind of European can you make him like from Zurich or like Swedish or like, do you know what I mean? Like, some kind of okay, yeah, like Danish. Like... Any of those can you do? Uh, I mean, uh, uh, it wouldn't be uh, convincing to a, a native, but I can definitely give something a I whirl. mean, I think most of the people who listen to this are from the UK, Australia and America, so we don't know. Okay, so some kind of... European, European mad scientist. I must make my apologies, said the doctor. I did not really mean to come in, but Mr. Inglethorpe insisted. Well, Bastine, you're in a plight, said John strolling in from the hall. Have some coffee and tell us what you've been up to. Thank you, I will. He laughed rather ruefully as he described how he had discovered a very rare species of fern in an inaccessible place and in his efforts to obtain it had lost his footing and slipped ignominiously into a neighbouring pond. The sun soon <laughs> dried me off, he said. But I'm afraid my appearance is very disreputable. At this juncture, Mrs. Inglethorpe called to Cynthia from the hall, and the girl ran out. The door into the hall was a wide one. I had risen when Cynthia did. John was close by me. There were, therefore, three witnesses who could swear that Mrs. Inglethorpe was carrying her coffee, as yet untasted, in her hand. My evening was utterly and entirely spoilt by the presence of Dr. Bowerstein. It seemed to me the man would never go. He rose at last, however, and I breathed a sigh of relief. I'll walk down to the village with you, said Mr. Inglethorpe. I must see our agent over those estate accounts. He turned to John. No one needs it up. I will take the latch key. End of chapter. <gasps> oh, no! I was expecting a flipping ah, murder! And I will tell you, he said, and I will recount this as best as I can because it's going to come out in court. Okay, so you're giving us like, whoa, if it's big enough for court. I mean, there was some stuff on that would obviously be important to the story, but, you know. Yeah, it's like, yeah. It's a weird one. I feel like the coffee's significant because he's like three witnesses saw her with the coffee undrunk when she went up to bed. Yeah. So I feel like this is going to, I feel like we've probably got our victim and maybe our method. Poison. In that, in that little sentence. Do you know what I mean? Oh, it's at least hinting towards it. 
And again, they make such a point of about the dispensary again. And I know I said about it last week, but it's just so funny. Like, why would they have that happens in that shop with all those just little little things going on and the little jokes? Well, also Lawrence disappearing for a while while everyone else was on the balcony. It's just to yeah. add these little things where it's like, well, he could have grabbed, he, he was told where the poison cupboard was. He could have grabbed yeah. something while he was unsupervised. So it's like trying to create doubt with as many people as possible. Yeah. Now, who took Mrs. Inglethorpe her coffee? It was Alfred. Alfred. Alfred and and Lawrence, Lawrence went with him, didn't he? He then left as well at the same time. Someone else did go with him, yeah. And it was then, then it was just Cynthia Hastings and Mary left sitting because Lawrence got up and left. Yes, but the coffee wasn't made by them. The coffee would have been made by Dorcas, or would have been yeah. made by some maybe. But then everybody would have. Everyone's drinking the coffee. So in order to poison a person with the coffee, you'd have to poison the individual cup because otherwise everyone would be dead. Yeah. Could you imagine if it was Dorcas all along? <laughs> Uh, but, um, I, I just I just really hated them all. <laughs> I was a really confident person before I came yeah. here. They, they just they just they, they just broke me down. <laughs> That'd be really depressing actually if it was them. Yeah. I do love how enthralled he is with Mrs. Cavendish though. I do find it just hilarious. He is because when she said, Oh, do you young people like it in the dark? I was like oh yeah he's like 15 years younger than john so he must be like 12 years younger than her so she must be like proper cougar town he is just like crushing on the cougar heart oh yes she is because he's only 30 and he's probably just come back from the trenches yeah so he has he's seen action but has he seen action he's not seen (laughs) the action because of the action But instead of Cynthia, who's right there in his age, he's decided to go for the uh, the unattainable because that's what. Yeah, but that's do. such a that's such a well worn path, isn't it? Yes, exactly. Cynthia was, you know, Cynthia's perfect in every way. She's funny. She makes little jokes. You're like, oh yeah, you're cool. But no, yeah, but she's unattainable, so I'm going to try and get her. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so just things to flag up. So there's been an argument between Emily and Alfred. We don't actually know what that argument was. Everyone's assuming it's the affair. So did this definitely happen? I kind of missed the bit about the affair. So you're saying that Alfred had an affair with the farmer's there's, wife. There's a rumour he's seeing the gypsy girl who works on the farm over. And the gypsy that girl. That gypsy they girl who was highlighted on, yes. And he went, oh, she's pretty. And he was like, yeah, that's. And he's like, oh, that's. And he's like, yeah, that's. So he's assuming it's the affair and that's why he won't tell Cynthia because he's a bit like, oh, you're young and I don't really want to like, you know, the sordid details. But then Mrs. Cavendish going in, she's like, oh, I knew you'd shield him. And then Alfred's talking about, I need to go to town to see the agent about a real estate thing. So it's like, it could be money related. It could be property related. It could be affair related. Because then they're together over dinner acting like nothing's happened, even though it's a bit off and everyone's a bit on edge. Do you mean you'd expect yeah. if, if someone had like confronted their spouse about an affair, you'd expect them to kick them out of the house straight away, particularly if they own it. You wouldn't expect them to go, oh, I'm really upset with you. Let's go and have dinner with our friends and family <laughs> and pretend that we're okay. Like that, you, you wouldn't do that. Yeah. Other interesting things of note Mary all of a sudden like running down the stairs really, really quickly and slamming herself into Inglethorpe's, Mrs. Inglethorpe's 
bedroom. What was yeah. that about? Intrigued well, about that's that. the thing. I think she overheard the argument as well. And I think she's wanting to either get in on the gossip because she's like, show it to me, show it to me. So maybe there's some evidence or a letter or something or a photograph or do you know what I mean? That kind of details whatever it was the argument was about. But Mrs. Inglethorpe's going, it's none of your business. It's nothing to do with you. So Emily's obviously playing her cards very close to her chest. Maybe that's why Alfred's still there. Maybe she's embarrassed and she's worried because Evie told her he's only after your money. He could never love you, really. And this proves that if he's having an affair with the girl next door. So maybe there's a bit of embarrassment on her part there. I don't know. Could be. And the other thing that was um, seemed untoward was somebody knocks on the door at the dispensary and Cynthia and Nibs were like... <gasps> Like mm. that little moment where they were like frozen and then they like, come in. And then it was all like, oh, okay, somebody yeah. wants some. So what was all that? About? Yeah. They've got a business enemy or someone, a ne'er-do-well or someone they might owe money. I, I reckon they're running a drug business on the side. Cynthia's like street name is actually Mama C. And uh, she's <laughs> she's running a drugs cartel. <laughs> She'll hook you up. In the small in the small Essex village of Tadminster, she's running. There's a nothing drug else cartel. to do. <laughs> you may as well get high. Like hot fuzz. We're trying to make <laughs> yeah. this hot fuzz, aren't we? Yeah, yeah. And then everyone's got like AK 47s It's like I don't. Yeah. I, we also should actually point out Poirot's made an appearance. He just yeah. happens oh, yeah. to be. I thought it was the case that Hastings was going to call him because a murder happened. Basically Turns out it's to... happenstance that he just happens to be there because he's a refugee. Yeah, which is a weird thing. He's like living with Bizarre. seven other Belgians or whatever. It's yeah. a reason for him to be there in the first place. But all I, the I places guess, it's, be, it's his origin story, basically, isn't it? That's why he's yeah. in the UK. It doesn't. But like... I think also it's because we know who Poirot is, so we know yeah. that he's the protagonist. Even though, so anyone reading this first, having never read any of the other Poirot novels, yeah, 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 will yeah. think that Hastings is the protagonist. Do you know what I mean? You think he's the main character, but we know because Poirot is Poirot. It's just not untrue though, because if you know, it's like, not with, with Sherlock. Like it's always written like it's John Watson's diary. Yeah, but but and so you get that sense of oh, I feel like I know that person the best and yet the story is really about the other so it's kind of both isn't it but i i just feel like we're giving more significance to him happening to be there because we know who yeah. he is yeah, sure, 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 sure. whereas if it's just like oh yeah my mate Poirot's here he happens to be here because he's a refugee and it was just some small minor character you'd go oh okay but because they it's like but that's Poirot. Yeah. They did speak about him being in, like a PI, so being like, "Oh, yeah. he might be the best to investigate this thing." <laughs> and I, I think, do we really believe that Doctor Baustein was uh, climbing in hedges and fell in a? Oh pond? yeah, now that's a point. Is he setting booby traps? <laughs> <laughs> he's burying bodies in the wood. He's just clumsy. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. He's just, he's, he's just the comic relief. Every chapter, he's going to like fall through a balcony or like get you know step on a rake. The boudoir is on the ground floor, though. I think it's worth noting that because she was like, I'm going upstairs to bed. So she's obviously has a boudoir, which I looked up is apparently a bedroom, a, a dressing room or a private sitting room. So I think it's the latter in this case, because Emily seems to use the room to write her letters and get away from everybody. So I think it's her like private office room well, yeah fine. but rather than calling it an office because it's a very masculine thing to have in a house it's a boudoir because yeah. that's more feminine because a guy wouldn't have a boudoir 
we've made boudoir just really saucy now, haven't we? Yes, like, exactly. Yeah. Like, we've made it raunchy, but actually it's very menial. <laughs> yeah, but I imagine she changed it to something a little bit more comfortable. Mm. Comfortable, sorry. <laughs> comfortable. <laughs> comfortable. <laughs> comfortable. <laughs> Completely does no, change it, doesn't it? Yeah. It like, you can't imagine her in any sort of ways apart from being sort of this sort of slightly unhinged old lady. Do we want to have a go? Now we've had another chapter to listen. Does anybody want to spin again and change their prediction? Or is everyone happy to stick with what they want? I'm, I'm happy for people to change. And I don't think that you should, it should be the case that people can't say what someone else has said. Stick, twist or fold, Jen. Mm. I'm sticking. I'm kind of happy with Lawrence having yeah. like that time alone in the dispensary, the coffee being highlighted and Mrs. Inglethorpe holding the coffee, I'm kind of happy with the thing. If I was going to change anything, I'd change the room from the drawing room to her bedroom. I think I think the body's going to be found in her bedroom. I'm still quite confident that Cynthia is somehow involved. Okay. She seems a little bit too sprightly and bouncy. Little dark jokes. Mm. Uh, um, I, uh, I'll stick with Mrs. Cavendish for now until I find out she's fine. Because just again, there's a little bit of... Okay. No, I think the main... Yeah, the suspect, I think, because obviously you, we, I'm guessing we won't find out who actually did it until the last chapter. So um, it's more like the motive, uh, not the motive, the, the weapon, the person. It's like if you guys wanted to twist with that and change anything. I mean, it's probably not a gunshot, is it? Let's be honest. I probably... <laughs> doesn't poison sound so obvious now? Like, it's so... Yeah. I'm almost, I would almost be disappointed if it is because you go... Yeah, well, of course. Well, yeah, they've mentioned poison like 20 times. Oh, really? oh yeah, because you know he does poisons. And Can I be specific? I, you might go, no, that's the same, but maybe like it's... No, no, no. It, so you can say the same. It's a natural poison because t- they're talking a lot about... The ferns a, 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 and stuff. Botany and ferns. Yeah. I'm thinking uh, he picks some like berry or something. I know that's the nightshade. Can that yeah, be the type you're you're going for some sort of like arsenic? Ah, oh, so you're being you're going you're going specific, yeah. Because I am probably talking synthetic because I'm I reckon it's something that someone's taken from the dispensary cupboard, so that would be synthetic. Whereas you're talking about maybe a, a natural a poison that you yeah, can kind make of like, it look like, yeah, 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 like it was an accident. Or something. Okay, um, Josh, are you changing the anything? Or are you sticking? You're going well, for I the bet- boudoir. I'm going for the bedroom. Yeah. You're going for the boudoir. Yeah, I, I, it's feeling like it is quite likely that it'll be in her bedroom now. So I, I might go with that. But mm-hmm. just to be interesting, I'm going to say that actually the coffee is laced merely with a sleeping draft and then someone Ooh. will kill her with a pillow. <laughs> <laughs> actually, she'll die of asphyxiation. Right. Okay. Of, yeah, interesting. Kind of thing. Yeah. 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 I like the imagination. I, I thought you were going to say, like, it's a sleeping draft that makes her appear dead and she actually dies because she gets buried alive by mistake. <laughs> and then she wakes up and, <laughs> and then he stabs himself. Oh, no, I'll tell you what would be great is if she, she took a sleeping draft kind of a la, you know, Juliet and she's supposed to wake up and everyone's supposed to think she's dead. And yeah. actually she planned a murder for when, in the period when everyone thought she was dead so that she could never be you know uh, held accountable for that yeah like, she was dead she wakes up and she's like she's like what do you mean my husband yeah. <laughs> i could possibly no have killed you... him i was dead <laughs> the double twist.com. that would be a good yeah one. a double twist would be fantastic they're fantastic. <laughs> oh well we'll have to stay tuned won't we so i'm really enjoying discussing these theories so if you have any thoughts or opinions on this chapter you can message us on the lazy book club at gmail.com uh, or you could do your own place, weapon, person type scenario on Twitter. 
you've uh, only got 240 characters though but our handle is at lazy book club pod yes i'd love to see a picture of you with a little poirot mustache and a little egghead you can post that on Instagram at Lazy Book Club Pod. Thank you. David. I thought you were going to say if you want to post a photo of what you think the crime scene looks like, you can do it <laughs> at Lazy Book Club. There's people like there's people all over <laughs> like, like London, like, spraying yeah. all over the kitchen, and their partners are going, "What are you doing?" The Lazy Book Club Pod told us to. <laughs> yeah, someone's just throwing pills in, everywhere, or like Neurofen <laughs> <laughs> all over the kitchen. Yeah. <laughs> We're also now on TikTok because we're that cool, which is also at Lazy Book Club Pod. There's a few snippets of the videos that we record. So you can get an idea of the quality of the videos, which you get to watch in full if you sign up to our Patreon. We're on Patreon, which is again, Lazy Book Club Pod, patreon.com forward slash Lazy Book Club Pod. And for the very low fee of $3 a month, you get an extra episode a month and you get early access to the episode and you get the video as well. Otherwise, next week we have chapter three. Hopefully someone dies. I never thought I'd say that sentence, but hopefully somebody dies because that's kind of the point of the book, really. So stay tuned for that. Hopefully we'll have a a body. See you then. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Bye.